Two girls talking. You know what that means. It's time to talk. What's going on in the world? How about your business? How about your life? Let's talk it out. Two girls talking. Hey everyone, it's Ashley. And it's Anna. And you know, when I take a moment to reflect on my career, my professional career, I kind of see it in two parts. The first part is my life as a full-time journalist. And now my life as an entrepreneur, a business owner, a video producer, and I'm still a journalist, but I'm just no longer full-time, which is very, very strange after all of these years. <laughs> to me, I'm still doing the same type of job, but there are a lot of people who are taking stock of their lives and instead of retiring, jumping into a whole new career. That's right. Just like our guest today, Tracy Potts. You've seen her on NBC stations very early in the morning, like 3.30 a.m. early. But now this former NBC News reporter has a new gig and regular hours. She is the executive director of the Eisenhower Institute at Gettysburg College. And though she has regular hours, they are very, very long hours. So welcome, Tracy, my old friend. It's so good to to be with you guys today. It's so fun that you emphasize the regular hours because when I used to speak to student groups, um, students would always be amazed when I'd say to them, you know, I get up at like 1.30 in the morning and they're like, huh? Um, (laughs) Regular hours are are a bonus, a a real bonus. You do not realize when they see us on, on air at like four o'clock, the hours it takes to get ready for that before. Get ready. Yeah. So true. So let's just jump in. Okay. Question number one, why the switch? And was it a good move for you? It has been a great move for me. And it was a long time coming. Um, you know, a few years ago, um, and this was really before the pandemic, you know, we always were talking so much about people making switches during the pandemic, which I did. But a few years earlier, I realized Journalism and the way I was doing it at the time wasn't really what I got into it for. Um, I really loved storytelling, telling people's stories, talking to them. And, and I, you know, I had gotten to a point where I was still delivering really important information to people, but I wasn't really able to do it in a way where I felt like I was like going out and telling those great stories. Um, And, and it felt constricting. And and I thought there's something else out there. And I looked around in the business for a while and, and this opportunity came along and I thought, wow, I can tell stories in a different way and work with students and still deal with big, you know, important issues. And it was just turned out to be the right thing at the right time. Was it the pandemic that caused you the switch? Like, do you think that would have happened regardless of a pandemic or not? Because so many people are doing what you're doing right now or just completely changing careers. I have several friends that have done that. Do you think it was the pandemic that had started or do you think, like you said, like this is something that's been brewing? No, it was brewing definitely before the pandemic. But I think what happened was when the pandemic hit and we all started doing like news from our basements, right? Right. Um, my, <laughs> my studio is in my basement. I mean, you can't beat the 30 second commute. Um, yeah. uh, I definitely miss that. Um, <laughs> but it was so isolating. So that whole feeling that yeah. I had about not being out, not, you know, touching people's lives um, was even so much more so when I was literally um, in a dark basement by myself broadcasting right. to the world. So millions of people were seeing me, but I wasn't really um, doing journalism in a way where I could see and feel them. So the pandemic, I think, hastened that feeling like I've got to I've got to be able to connect with people again. 
Right, right. Well, I can still relate to that as a business owner who like it comes to you from my basement every day. It is very isolating to work from home. We all know that we've been doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I come to these. To I come to my own offices, my own studios, but there's no one else here. You know, I I think it just gives me that sense of getting up and go getting into my car and driving literally eight minutes. Exactly. that's it. Yeah. To get something started. I don't, I, Can yeah. I just tell you, Anna, like the first time I literally put on clothes and got in the car <laughs> went yeah. somewhere in two years, I was like, wow. And and it's funny because I went from this 30 second commute to now part of my job is in Pennsylvania. Part of my job is in D.C. So there are days when I have an hour and 15 minutes on the road each way. And I don't even care. Like I'm enjoying it. It's relaxing. It feels good. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I didn't realize how much I kind of miss being in the world. Well, it's a, it's a different commute, you know, when the, the three of us live over here in the DMV. So this is like outside of LA, this was the number one worst traffic area in the country. Yeah. So when you say an hour 15, that's an hour 15 actual travel time. Right. Okay. It's, it's one hour and 15 miles away. Right. It, you could drive from my house in, in uh, suburban DC to our offices on Capitol Hill, yep, which was like maybe 14, 15 minutes. And it still could have taken me an hour, right? So yeah, I mean, we're more. <laughs> exactly, right? And yep. it's a different, it's a different type of commute. So to give you an example, I'm 17 miles from my DC office. I'm 77 miles from my Pennsylvania office. And wow. most days it takes me almost the same amount of time to get there. Wow. wow. Yep. My gosh. So traffic is back in DC. Wow. I'm just gonna stay in my basement, I guess. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. My gosh. So Tracy, what was like how I always think about this. Not like I'm gonna make the jump. I love <laughs> what I do. But how scary was it? I mean, no, actually, yeah. I've done that. I went from I went from journalism to PR. It was yeah. scary. Then from PR. To, so I get it. But talk to us yeah. for you, your experience about like, how difficult was it to just completely change industries? How scary was it? Did you have that imposter syndrome? Tell yeah. us about what was going through your head. You took the words out of my mouth. I had the imposter syndrome. I had the, you yeah. know, the whole rethinking everything. I mean, I think it's really important that we open up and talk about that stuff. So I had literally done the same work, the same type of work since I graduated college for 30 years. I had only been a reporter uh, or an anchor. I had only been a journalist and I had literally only done it for three companies. I had three jobs. That was it. (laughs) And this last one um, with NBC, I had been there for 24 years, right? So almost a quarter of a century. Right. um, I had been at the same company doing the same thing. But you had lived in different, I mean, the network had had taken you to different places. They did. So I started out in LA and then I came to DC. So I did make that shift and and, and that was a little scary too. But but again, there was the confidence of, okay, I'm going to go to DC, but I'm going to report. I know how to do this. You know, I've got years of experience doing this. This was totally different. So when this opportunity came up, when I first saw it, um, and, and it speaks to, um, living your passions too, because outside of journalism, I had been doing some volunteer work and it was that connection Mm -hmm. that landed me, um, this opportunity. Mm. And when, when it first came up and, and this friend of mine said, I think you're perfect for this. And I looked at it and I thought that looks like really interesting work, but I don't, I'm not 
sure if that's something I can do. That was the first thing I thought. And frankly, it's the first thing a lot of women think specifically. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if I can do that. You know, we don't get the transferable skills thing. We have the imposter syndrome. And sure. if not for my friend encouraging me saying, no, you really need to take a second look at this. And then I literally kind of like slid, like this was a months long process. I slid into it. I kind of checked it out softly. Um, there, there was like one time when I was in the kitchen with my husband and I was literally in tears because I couldn't decide, like, do I let go of something that's comfortable, right. that I know well, that's mm-hmm. safe and secure, even yeah. in the pandemic, even yeah. given everything that was going on to jump into something that I don't know as well, but could be very fulfilling, right? It could have this big payoff. And I was like holding on like nobody's business. And I'm literally, I remember I was in the kitchen and I'm kind of crying. And my husband said to me, so you have to know a little bit about us. We're, we're a, a, a family of faith. My husband's a minister. And he said to me, "You look, you work with me in the church with the youth group. How is it that you're going to be able to encourage them if you're not willing to make a leap yourself? Right. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then so I did it. But it's interesting. I'm calling your husband for advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's so interesting is that so many people find themselves in the same position that you did in that we get complacent. We get safe. Yeah, sedentary. And, you know, we have all the self-confidence in the world until it's time to make a change. Yeah. And then we start questioning everything. You do. But yep. it, you, really it, do. you know, it's good. It, it's a it's a leap of faith, but it's faith in ourselves that we can do it. It is. And and sometimes, Anna, we really need a nudge. And 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 I um you know this about me, and, and I guess your your listeners will know in a moment. <laughs> I'm I'm a very transparent person. And in the middle of this whole process, uh, my dad, who had been living with me, um, passed away unexpectedly. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. But but he he knew that I was so I had kind of started on this journey. He knew that I was interviewing for this job and I had been sharing the whole thing with him. He uh, went to the college and I'll talk about the work in a minute. But he he um, went to the college and looked at the, you know, visited the site with me. And, and I remember him saying, I think, and he even texted, I still have this on my phone. He said, I think this is the perfect job for you. And then two weeks later, he was gone. And that stuck in my head. And it really, in in a very um, unexpected and odd way, it really gave me the courage to kind of make the jump I wanted to do anyway. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I mean, th- th- that would make me give me the courage. Um, you know, do you think it takes those? I mean, this I would even call with your dad, like a special but transformative moment. Do you think that's really what it took for you? Like, would that have happened if yeah, you hadn't, if that hadn't, I, your dad think- hadn't pointed that out? I mean, I think what happened, I, it may have happened, but it allowed me to jump in with a little more confidence, right? Yeah. I was yeah, still going yeah. through that. I mean, I had not interviewed for a job in 24 years. Yeah. We were still sitting out tapes and resumes and there was no- I, I, Right, yeah. And we were still looking at the trades, right? Oh, look, you know, Detroit, Michigan has a job open. Let right. me get my reel ready, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, you, and you'd go and you'd ask the editors, can you help me put together, you know, these 
thing. I have all my different yeah. tapes. Can you put them together? <laughs> yes. And then the thing, you know, this was in a completely different in- industry. So I work yeah. for a, a public policy institute that is um, a part of a college, a small liberal arts college, Gettysburg College. And, you know, this was totally different. And, and you brought it up, Ashley. I mean, this whole idea of imposter syndrome, you know, you sit and you ask yourself questions like, who am I to sit in a room next to people with PhDs? Who yeah. am I to sit in a room and oversee, not, you know, kind of sit in a room with them, but oversee this program? Like, what yeah. am I bringing to the table? And we start questioning ourselves in ways that we don't really need to. And then it snowballs. And I think what happened was that comment by my dad and unfortunately the loss of my dad mm. stopped the snowball right mm. i was yeah. i was asking myself those questions and it kind of made me go look you know if god has opened the door for you you know your dad is giving you the pat on the back things are going well this is the plan for you roll with it absolutely absolutely I, what yeah. how what's the learning curve been like for wow. you? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, we do you operate like a newsroom in there? I know, exactly <laughs> right. You have these deadlines because you know when we're we're used to we don't miss deadlines, right? And, no, I, I, and I will say this: I will say this you in can't. being in business. If there's one thing that I rest, I wish the rest of the people, the rest of the world was, would be as deadline oriented. I think yeah. as all of us are agreed. Like, agreed. Even, even the when rest I of the world operates at a different speed than journalists. Yes. Nothing is urgent in the real world. Everything yeah. is urgent where we come from. Exactly. You are now speaking my language. Because <laughs> I have gone from, you know, get this done and get this done in not 46, but 45 minutes, right? Yeah. 46 minutes is too late. Um, to, I had a conversation with, with um, a colleague the other day and said, so this is my plan for this project. And this is the timeline on which I want to get it done. And they kind of laughed at me and said, this has happened twice now. And they kind of laughed and said, yeah, that's probably going to relax a little bit. And so I'm still in, you know, I've still got my journalist hat on. I'm thinking, really? Why? Like, here's the plan. Like, we'll just get it done. So I'm, lear- I'm learning to be a lot more flexible. Um, mm. I am learning to, the biggest thing I will tell you, so two things. Um, journalists don't deal with money. I was having this conversation earlier yes. this week, right? We deal with content. We don't deal with money. So, um and, and I, you know, I deal with money in other areas, right? I'm the yeah. only person at home. Exactly. But when it comes to, as we like to say, OPM, other people's money, right? <laughs> you need to be um, uh, diligent and yeah. careful. And so, you know, dealing with budgets and, and making decisions, is it worth using the organization's funds for this? Are we going to get a, a good enough return on investment? Um, these are decisions that I'm prepared to make and I can make and I do make, but it's been a learning curve to make sure that I make them responsibly. And then the other thing is this one really hit me. You guys, I didn't expect this, but managing my time and my workflow. Oh, yeah. I have lots of meetings and I love people, right? So, you know, my 30 minute meetings turn into 45 minute meetings. Yeah. Um, Just 45? I was like, yeah. (laughs) You know, for me, I go down that. It's why I cannot read the news. If I if I start reading the newspaper, I'm down that rabbit hole. Who killed Epstein? Yep. 
Wait, wait, right. wait. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so managing my own workflow, because I have mm-hmm. these projects, it's not like a story that's done at the end of the day. Right. I have these projects that last days and weeks and months. Yes. And yes. so determining something I just recently determined. I have to take more control of my own schedule. So I've now blocked out chunks of time on my schedule and I call them productivity, which means don't bother me. Don't <laughs> don't schedule a meeting. I need to process things. I need to plan things. And I didn't realize for the first couple of months that I needed downtime yeah. um, in order to yeah. get stuff done. Well, it's, 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 it's you talked about, you know, how the, at, at the end of the day, your work is done and now you have projects. And I find that to both be um, liberating and terrifying at the same time, because yeah. I, a project can go on and on and on and on and on until you let it, if, if you let it, you know, until you got to nip that. So when is, you, you know, it, it was a, it was a journey for me to try to figure out when that special, you know, yeah. sweet spot was how you do it and how you don't do it. Because Unlike a journalist, not during ongoing and, and uh, ongoing news or breaking news, yeah. but unlike a journalist, when you're done with your story, you're done with it and you go home the next day and you come back to something else. Right. It's, mm-hmm. You know, those problems can still be there when and you then come the back thing, the next day. De- exactly. And I was dealing with this today. How do you keep it moving forward? So yeah, this yeah. is where I think the journalism skills kick in, right? Yeah. I was just doing some some project management stuff this morning and I'm thinking, no, this has just been sitting here. Like, how do we, like, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And and journalists are good project managers. It's just that we do it in such a, a, a shrunken amount of time. Yeah, true. Right. right. But, um, and I haven't even told you guys what I'm doing. I kind of, I, I kind know, of, like, that was our next question. I know, that's right. like, I need to hear what you're doing. I, like, I was like, I work yeah. for college. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the spiel. This is, this is perfect. This gives me an opportunity to practice my 30 second elevator speech. Oh, great. Uh, well, there, working well, on. Tell, us, tell us what you're doing at Eisenhower Institute. Okay, so I'm the executive director of the Eisenhower Institute at Gettysburg College. It's a public policy institute that's based in Gettysburg, um, small liberal arts college, also based in Washington, D.C., which is where I am now. So if you heard the sirens behind me a little while ago, um, (laughs) I'm literally a block from the White House. So the whole idea is we explore, we're nonpartisan. Um, which I love because it's very much in the tradition of what I've done as a journalist. And we explore public policy issues. So we connect students with outside experts. So they're doing classes, but we're co-curriculars. So the things that we're doing, the programs we're doing, they're not getting credit for it, but they're getting connected with high level officials, with practitioners, with people who know their stuff, who are digging into policy every day. Yeah, like real life work-based learning. Exactly. Experiential learning. So that's what we do. And then also we're really putting a public face on the Institute to not only educate students, but educate the public. So right now I'm working on some things on the Ukraine issue. Like how do you give people a better understanding of what is going on? That's true. That's How it, do you give, you know, wow. it's, it's Black History Month and, and we're talking about voting rights and, and there's been so much going on on Capitol Hill. We're trying yeah. to put together a program. How do you give people a bigger and better and deeper, but simple enough to be relevant understanding of what these really important big issues are all about? So Absolutely. that's what I do. Yeah, no, because everybody, 
I, you know, I, I when I'm doing my workshops, I'll tell them that it's it's business owners, but it's actually everybody whose favorite radio stations is W I I F M. What's in it for me? And yes. as a journalist, <laughs> right? And, and, yeah. and that that's true no matter what it is, whether you're crafting a story or you're crafting a press release or you're trying to engage students. How does this affect me? Absolutely. And how can I take it and make it affect others? Yeah. I love so, that. I've never heard of that. And I'm writing that down. What's, oh, I, really? I, I'm yeah. like, I need to teach my team that when we're writing yeah. pitches to the media. <laughs> yeah. So what... What are our students saying? Like my son is getting ready to go to college next year. So your students are are older than Joe, but what what are our students saying about about the future and about how how, uh, what kind of role do they want to play in learning and in working with what your group is doing? Yeah. So, so this is interesting. It's almost like going to work is a bit of a lab for me and going home is a lab for my work. Cause I have two college students, right? right. And then I'm going to work, I'm working with college students. So first thing is I am so highly impressed with how they're thinking and the fact that they are thinking so deeply mm. about the world around them and stuff that's going on. I so so state of the union's coming up and I right. have this idea. I'm I'm the idea lady at work. So I keep coming up with these ideas and and then uh, am am tasked with how to execute them all. And I thought we really need to do something to kind of get reaction and break down state of the union and I had my staff ask a student group like what is it that you want to hear? And I thought Here's what I thought they were going to say, wiping out student loan debt and, you know, other things that affect young people. Right. Um, Maybe wages and labor, maybe something about civil rights. And I get these responses back and they're like foreign policy. Wow. You know how the U.S. is engaging in the world or not engaging in the world and the economy and trade. And like, how is that going to again? Right. What's in it for me? How is that going to impact um, jobs in the future? And how is that right. going to impact, you know, the U.S. economy? And, and they want to hear all of these really. And they're very well versed um, on a lot of issues. So, first of all, I'm just really highly impressed with um this next, you know, Gen Z, we've got a, a event coming up where we're, we're talking about Gen Z and, and really how they're thinking about things politically. Um, I am very inspired when I talk to these students. I told my staff, like, make sure every month I have a sit down with students on something or another. I love that. Um, because they're so inspiring. And yeah. they are thinking not only this is a problem, right? So our generation is just like eye rolling going, when are we going to fix the world? And their their generation is going, the world is messed up, but I've got an idea. I'm going to go out there and fix it. Mm -hmm. Like that's their their approach. And it's really inspiring to work with that every day. That is so great. You know, I, I, um, my kids are a little younger than yours, but it, it, every time I do a, a project, a video project, one of the first things I do is run it past them to make sure that, the message that I'm trying to get across reaches various different people. Cause yeah. you know, we've talked about this. Ashley knows this. If you yeah. can tell your story to a seven, a 17, a 47 and an 87 year old story uh, or person, and they all understand it. You've got a great idea concept of what you're doing because they all right. process it differently. Yep. And they all have different opinions on how it, cause they all have different life experiences. Right. Yeah, so that's so interesting. I want to get on your email list so I know about all these different events I can come and. and, and I know me too. Audit, listen to, 
Okay. You're on. Right. You're on. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, how how can students? And it, I know it's it's just it's just for Gettysburg College students, correct? So yeah, our programs uh, are for Gettysburg College students, but we're like I said, one of the reasons I've been brought in is to really expand the public face of the institute. Right. So like last fall, for example, I was doing Facebook Lives with mm-hmm. um, groups that were talking about civil discourse and like how I, you get. Yeah. Did you see that one? I did, well, the the one I wanted to actually, Ashley and I had a, a a workshop, so I was not able to go to the one that you're talking about. We were talking about yeah. the Texas abortion law, and yeah, correct? yeah, yep. and that was in the fall. We did that one. Um, yeah. We did one on national security. We've got a fascinating uh, woman who's a defense attorney for the Pentagon who's come in. She's nice. doing a program for our students on national security, like non traditional national security issues, like how is environmental justice or climate change, how can that threaten our national security, stuff like that. But she also did a really good um, Facebook Live with me. So we do webinars that are fully public. We just had one with John Favreau, who was the uh, speechwriter for Barack yeah. Obama. He wow. was fantastic. Oh, I want to watch that one. I, you can see it. Yeah. I listened to his podcast. Yeah. I can't think He's, of what it is um, right now, but yeah. And, and, and this was not a, a political thing. He was able to really connect with students and I think connect with people in general um, through talking about his, you know, his experience working in Washington and then his experience um, after he got out of the administration, um, kind of flipping to the other side. And he's like, oh, I kind of understand why reporters were doing what they were doing and asking what they were asking. And anyway, it was really interesting. So we do public programming. Um, We've got a U.S.-China series that we're working on right now. Mm. Um, We've actually got a a, a, a speaker series and a panel that's starting tonight where we're talking about, you know, do you really understand? And this is for students, but it's also for the public. And it's, it's generated by students, which I'm really proud of. Yeah. Do you really understand this really complex issue of, you know, kind of the U.S. versus China right now? And how does this impact us? Yeah, right? I don't. It how does it? I, I don't. I, I'm yeah. just thinking about the U.S. being in China for the Olympics, and that blows my mind right now. Yeah. Just the fact that China has it again. Don't get me started. Yeah, yeah I know. And then I know. It was I think in 2008, right? Yes. It was totally different, you know, it was. back then. Well, yeah, because they, you know, they they had... Hong Kong had been handed over to them, but I think that at the time in 2008, Hong Kong was still autonomous. It no longer is. It's now part of China. And now you've got this really complex, and again, this is the stuff like as a reporter, I had a minute 15 to explain, but now I get to do, you know, bring in experts and explain to the world in a much more substantive way. So now you have a U.S.-China relationship where, you know, you've got the U.S. against China when it comes to the whole issue with Taiwan, and then we've got the whole trade issues and human rights issues. It's just a completely different landscape. It's just a lot of really interesting stuff. So what you were asking me was, is this just for... Gettysburg students. Um, the the in-person programs, yes, but we're doing a lot of things and we're expanding um, what we're doing online, particularly now because of the pandemic and soon what we'll be doing hopefully in person um, for the public because people need that same level of education about what's happening in our world. Absolutely. Yep. So Absolutely. True. So how can, how, how can people find out about your programming? Where do they have to go? So eisenhowerinstitute.org. 
easy to remember, EisenhowerInstitute.org. Um, we are, you know, a legacy organization of President Eisenhower. Um, Susan, his granddaughter who started the Institute is literally right over there in the room next to me. I know. Um, <laughs> she's I very cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. And, and she's really good at, at really trying to, to make sure that people get what's going on in the world. But um, anyway, Eisenhowerinstitute.org is where you can find out about all of our public programming as well as our student programming. Um, and I try to, we're also on social media and I try to elevate everything um, that we do. So you can find us under Eisenhower Institute or E-I-G-B-C. So Eisenhower Institute, Gettysburg College, mm-hmm. E-I-G-B-C on Twitter. Um, or you can just find me, Tracy Inspires, and and you can connect through there. Amazing, and Tracy. Yeah. I'd say like, you, this is, I love hearing your story, how you've made this, this courageous leap and how you're thriving doing it. And I think like, I think that's going to inspire so many of our listeners who might be sitting in those comfort zones, but also wondering what else is out there. Yeah, this um, this has been so much fun. Um, Two girls talking, except today we are three girls talking. Yeah, right. I love it. (laughs) And this is how I know that Tracy is like settling into her new role because she and I actually went out and had lunch, sat down at a restaurant (laughs) and had lunch and like, yes. Like we didn't, we weren't standing up or anything. <laughs> That's when no so times have changed. That's right. It was yeah. so much fun. It was. Tracy, I I always love talking to you. You know that girl. But uh, thank you so much for being with us today because we really, really enjoyed this time. Yeah. Aww, thanks thank for inviting so me. It's 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 actually helpful to me to to um, be able to tell my story because it helps me see you know, what it took to get from point A to point B. And and if I, you know, if that helps somebody who's out there, who was where I was literally just a few months ago, um, that's a good thing. Oh, so oh. inspiring. I love that. Yeah. It's going to help so many people, even me. It's inspiring me today. So thank you, Tracy. Wow. And thank you to all of our listeners, our loyal listeners who keep coming back and listening to us too. Today, three girls talking. Uh, we'll hopefully see you next time. Yeah, we'll be back talking to you in two weeks. See you guys. Bye.